So Jesus, thanks for this word. It is good. It is right. It is the best. It has the power to change us. So would you do that now in this place? Pray it in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's been really cool going around today. I get to see all the kids' choirs. Man, they are, they are rocking it today. Let me just tell you, it is awesome. Uh, before I get my uh, message, kind of get into that, I just want to do a little bit of house business just to let you know that Scott Dudley is away preaching uh, today. He'll be back next week. Uh, he wanted me to tell you that uh, the session, he and the session are very excited about our congregational meeting next week uh, to vote on the executive pastor search. Uh, and um, if uh, you, can, you can find out more information about all that on our website, or if you're not able to attend the meeting, you can go to the reception afterwards to learn more information about it. It's a really important time in the life of our church. We're very excited about it. We know some of you are going to be away, so you won't be able to attend. But I just want to ask you to continue to pray for that whole search project, uh, process. Okay, that was the family news. Uh, to the sermon. Ta-da-ta. So today, we're starting this new sermon series uh, that we are calling uh, Resume versus Eulogy, the virtues that matter. Now, resume virtues are the ones that we put on, that, that make us good at our jobs. They're things like being shrewd, or being effective, being uh, hardworking. Those are the ones that get rewarded in our lives. Eulogy virtues are the deeper virtues. They're the ones that people talk about at our funeral. They tend to be things like integrity, courage, honor, compassion, loyalty. Now here on the east side, the value, uh, we are a culture that tends to value wealth, power, and performance. So it's the resume virtues that get most of our attention, not the eulogy virtues. The problem with that is that we're slowly creating um, a distance, a separation between our real self and our ideal self. That is the person that we are and the person that we want to be remembered for. Um, so instead of telling stories at our funeral about a legacy of the way we lived, which changed the people that we leave behind, folks will be talking about our golf gang or our boats or, uh, you know, some cool trip we went on to Hawaii. You know, the stuff that entertained people but never really changed lives. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, what lies behind us and what lies in front of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. It's who we are and the character we are becoming that matters, not what we have and all that we have accomplished. It's the eulogy virtues that make us better people, that give us fuller lives, not the resume virtues. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about these eulogy virtues, and today, specifically, we're going to be looking at perseverance, which is the character quality that will not give up, kind of like this. Or this. Got to think about that one for a little bit. Hang in there. Don't give up, right? No matter how bleak the circumstances look, don't give up. Because there are seasons of life that we all go through where we face challenges, hardship, and, and adversity, where life feels like struggle or battle. And maybe you're there today. It's your job or your marriage or facing the same old issues in your marriage. 
Maybe you've lost someone that you love or they have left you. Maybe it's your kids or that you can't have kids. Maybe it's a chronic illness or a temptation that you face or an addiction. Maybe you're struggling in school or maybe you're trying to be a follower of Jesus in a place where the people around you are being very critical of your faith. James calls all of these things trials. They are the hardships we face, the challenges we go through that won't just go away and fix themselves. Perseverance is that character virtue that never gives up. It just keeps on going. Obstacles do not stop it. Discouragements do not derail it. Setbacks will not deter it. It is a steady and unrelenting determination to keep on going, to not give up. James calls it hoopamony. That's kind of a fun word, isn't it? Hoopamony. Say it with me. Hoopamony. Oh, come on. One more time. Hoopamony. All right. Now, now you know some Greek. There you are. Problem is that the Greek, lang- Greek of the New Testament is sort of this dead language that no one talks about or no one uses. So it's rather useless unless you're a pastor like calling me. So we can say hoopamony and stuff like that. But anyway, it kind of feels good to say something in Greek, doesn't it? Hoopamony. Perseverance. This is an important word for our culture these days. Because we live in a culture that, of quick fixes, of immediate gratification, and instant rewards. The idea of staring, staying very long in a hard situation or in a difficult relationship that we've committed to is often construed as personal weakness. So our culture is filled with people that move on and make a change. Another word for that is quitting. More and more people in our culture are quitting on their relationships, on their commitments, on their dreams, on their values, on their faith. Quitting for the quick solution. Performance, I'm sorry, perseverance doesn't take the easy way out. It stays the course. It does the right thing, even when the right thing is the hardest thing to do. Now, most of the time, we don't get to choose the hardships we go through, right? I mean, we don't get to choose most of them. But we do get to choose the way that we respond to our hardships. That part is up to us. Joy or bitterness. Forgiveness or anger. Faith or fear. Love or hatred. Perseverance means that whole first set of responses. You know, joy, forgiveness, faith, love. It means more than surviving a hardship. It means thriving in the midst of it. And each time we face adversity, each time we don't quit, each time we work through that stuff, we forge a little more perseverance into our character. We become known known as people who stay, people who are reliable, people who can show this surprising compassion and love. Even when we're going through the hardest times, that is the eulogy stuff. Now, several months ago, I was at a church, uh, the church, actually, that I'd served at before coming here to Bell Press. Uh, It was their stewardship weekend, really big weekend for them. And uh, apparently, they'd forgotten about some of the things that I had done back then because they invited me to come and preach for them, which was kind of fun. It was a great time. Um, But afterwards, I got to talk with a guy whose daughter had been in my youth group a little over 18 years ago. 
And uh, he wanted to just fill me in on uh, some of what had been happening in their lives since I left. Now, the backstory on all of that is that uh, when I was still a youth pastor there at the church, uh, I felt this prompting one afternoon to contact his daughter. I hadn't seen her in a while, long time, actually, and I was worried about her. So I called. She answered. Uh, We talked um, for a while, but she didn't sound good. So I asked her what was wrong. That's when she told me that she was pregnant, that no one knew, not even her parents knew. And the very next day, she had an appointment to have an abortion and get rid of the baby. Well, man, imagine a conversation like that. We talked for over an hour just about a whole bunch of different stuff. And, uh, and I urged her not to have the abortion for lots of different reasons. I urged her to talk with her parents, to invite them in, to let them help her through this process. She agreed to do that. And I prayed for her. Well, I knew that she'd had the baby, but that's really about it. Because it was right around that time that I came here to Bell Press to be the missions pastor. So as I was standing there talking with her father that day, that was really the first time that we had talked since all of that had transpired. And he wanted to tell me sort of the rest of the story, his story. He said that the whole thing came as this huge surprise to him, a shock, as you could imagine. He went through lots of emotions and self-blame, wondering what he could have done or what he did do that actually caused this. Then he made the choice in the midst of it all to love her no matter what, to support her as she went through this, to go with her doctors, go to her doctor's appointments, to be there for the delivery, and after the birth, to help her raise the son, her son. Um, and uh, they, he went to counseling with her. They had a lot of hard conversations uh, with each other. It was a tough time, he said, on him and a tough time on his marriage. But as he stood there just a few months ago talking with me, he said it was all worth it because he had this amazing relationship with his daughter and because her son, his grandson, had just turned 18. Now, there are lots of parts in that story where this dad could have quit, right? I mean, there are a lot of places where he could have just said, forget this, but he didn't quit. He persevered. That is legacy stuff. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about hoopamony. I think that's because all the other virtues flow out of this one, perseverance. Without perseverance, which I think is the foundational virtue, without perseverance, there's small love, there's uncertain compassion, there's fickle faithfulness, because love and compassion and faithfulness won't grow much in a relationship where we have no certainties, where we're always wondering if the other person is going to leave, quit, or move on. Perseverance is that virtue that stays. It never gives up. James writes in verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, the imagery that James is using here is the process metal workers use to purify precious metals, like gold. They'd heat the metal up to a really high temperature. The impurities would sort of melt off. They'd scoop those impurities up and throw it out. Hardships do that to us. They test us. Impurities in our character get melted off. We learn to be more patient. 
We learn to be more courageous, to trust more, to love more. Now, I can't ever remember talking with someone who said that it was that amazing vacation they went on or that amazing meal they had in a five-star restaurant that made them the person that they are today. Like, have you ever heard anybody say that? I've never heard anybody say that. It's always the adversity that they go through, the challenges they face, the way God moved in the midst of that that made them the people that they are. Persevering through adversity makes us better, stronger people. So what practical things will help us persevere when we're going through adversity? First is this, to focus on Jesus and not on the problem. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, you know this to be true, that the more that we focus on our problems, the bigger they get. I mean, it's like just inflating them with air, right? They get bigger and bigger and bigger. But focusing on Jesus, it helps us trust more and rely on him to provide for us. You see, hoopamony helps us stay in this place where we find a surprising intimacy with Jesus, like prayer becomes more urgent and faith becomes more regular. You know, community with others becomes more essential. We persevere not because we have this incredible stamina within us, you know, this fortitude that just makes us strong. We persevere because we see the faithfulness and the goodness of Jesus working itself out in our lives. Answered prayer, people caring for us, providing meals for us, those simple little things where we just know God is providing. Stuff like that, that's how we make it through. And then we can say in the words of that great hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, man, it is well, surprising, but true, it is well with my soul. That's the first thing that we can do when going through hardship, stay focused on Jesus. The second thing is this, to keep the end in mind. Keep focused on the end. James says in 1 4, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, God does not cause our trials. Please hear that. But God uses them for his purposes. Now, the passage that Colin read in uh, Psalm 105 is a great example of how God does that. He's sold into slavery by his own brothers and falsely accused of rape. Joseph found himself in the one place he never dreamed was even imaginable. He was in prison. But Joseph didn't give up. He persevered. He kept trusting God. And eventually, God gave him a promotion. Like he moved him from prison inmate to governor over all of Egypt. And from that position, God used him to save the nation Israel. Now, God used Joseph's hardship to shape Joseph's character. That was the first thing. And then God gave Joseph his new position. You see, God calls us to be great people. 
before God calls us to do great things. Sometimes we get that reversed. Because God's ultimate purpose isn't to make us happy. It's to shape our character, to make us more like Jesus. Then from the overflow of Jesus' character within us, God does great things. We will do great things through him, bringing his heaven to this earth, acting more like those Celtic Christians who, brought, uh, who re-Christianized all of Europe after the fall of Rome, loving and serving people, joining with Jesus in the making of all things new. There is a long-term goal that God has in mind in every difficult situation that we go through. He's shaping a great character in you and in me. And he's preparing us for our next assignment. Keeping the end in mind, that end in mind, helps us to persevere. So focus on Jesus, keep the end in mind, and third, consider it joy. James writes, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, I remember being in this men's Bible study when I was much younger, and uh, on occasion there'd be guys that come in and they might, they'd make an announcement about losing a job or you know, something dr- life-changing and dramatic like that. And the Bible study leader, he'd always respond with the same phrase. He would say, great, God has something better for you. I remember thinking, buddy, keep your day job. Like, you are the worst pastor. You're never going to be one. Like, how comforting is that? But now that I have been through some things, I realize that he wasn't that far off. Because James, when he writes considerate joy, is not talking about a feeling. Like, feel really awesome about the crummy things going on in your life. Woohoo! No, James isn't saying that. James is talking about an attitude, an optimistic attitude that we can have whatever is happening because God, through God, in God, all things are possible. Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger than any struggle we go through. And he is never done, not with you, not with me, not with the crummy situation that we are in. No matter what you're going through, no matter what brought you to here, there is a new beginning that he is designing, a better person that he is creating, another chance he is giving you. For he is a God of amazing grace and relentless love. And he is gracious and loving towards you. That is our hope. Hope that our present circumstances will not be our permanent circumstances. Hope that the way things are now is not the way it's always going to be. Hope, and it is a certain hope, that with Jesus there is always more. That even if we die, we will live. That is what James means here when he writes, Consider it all joy. There is always hope. Better things are coming. Persevere. What's that word? Hoopamoni. Ten years ago, we uh, had a capital campaign here at Bell Press that we called the Ripple Effect. And many of you gave to it. It was about helping children and families here in Bellevue, on the east side, and around the world. And that's how we were able to build the upper campus. It's how we got Jubilee Reach started. It's how we started the Center for Champions, along with our partner, African Enterprise in Rwanda. 
And the center started as a school for street kids who'd been orphaned because of the genocide. It had dorms, it has dorms, the center does, for 300 kids, and there are classrooms in the center for an additional 300 students. It has this huge dining hall, an activity center, big old sports field, and we were there when they bust those first group of street kids onto the center's campus. We saw those kids' joy when they realized that they finally had a home and they had, you know, constant, you know, they could count on meals to eat every day. And they could go to school and catch up on their education that they missed. It was an, an experience that those of us who went will never forget. And I wish you could have been there to see that. It was so powerful. After the trip, we learned that the center didn't have um, enough funds. It didn't have enough operational funds to stay open. So we developed a child sponsorship program. And many of you sponsored kids from the Center of Champions. When uh, they didn't send us progress reports, and when we realized they didn't have the staff over there to support the program, then we flew to Rwanda, we took pictures of the kids, we wrote their testimonies down, and we developed this new staff position that would support the program. We even brought a videographer with us who sort of videoed the Center for Champions, created a professional video that our partner, African Enterprise, could show to other churches and organizations so that they could raise money for the center. Then the government threatened to close the center because they, the center didn't have a, a, a big fence around this campus uh, to keep the kids safe. So the Legacy Foundation from Bell Press gave African Enterprise this huge grant and they were able to build the wall and the center stayed open. Then the government decided to close all the orphanages and that included the Center for Champions because they were housing these street kids. So the center found houses for every one of those students, those kids who were at the center and the center stayed open. Then the center noticed that many graduates weren't getting jobs and they were at risk of getting back out on the street again. So they started these vocational schools. And our Legacy Foundation gave a grant this year for one of those schools. We have faced challenge after challenge after challenge. And there will be more. But with our partner, African Enterprise, we will persevere. We will not give up. This is Olive. She's featured on the latest, in the latest newsletter from African Enterprise, and you want to learn or read more about the newsletter, you can get, uh, look at their website. Olive never knew her father. Her mother couldn't afford to send her to school, and a neighbor found all that out and got her enrolled at the Center for Champions. Olive is now at the top of her class, and through her experience there has come to faith in Jesus Christ. So long is another student there. She says in this news, same newsletter, I'm so thankful for the Center of Champions, not only helping me learn a trade, but also growing deeper in my faith. Egid is another uh, student featured in the newsletter. She says, praying is the most important thing in my life right now. When I pray, my problems go into God's hands, and he then can direct and help me. The Center for Champions has helped me learn to study, given me friends and a community which I never had before. See, the thing is, there's story after story after story like that. Changed lives. You did that, Bell Press. You and our partners at African Enterprise. There were so many times over the last 10 years when it would have been easier to give up. But focusing on Jesus and not on the problems, it helped us trust God for his provision. 
keeping that end in mind, we knew God would use it all for his purposes. And counting it joy, we have stayed hopeful. Hoopamoni. That is what shows us to be countercultural people. People who don't quit, people who are reliable, people who show a surprising compassion and love even when life gets hard. That's the eulogy stuff. This trial is not your last chapter or your last dance or your last song or whatever metaphor it is you want to, you know, whatever metaphor you choose. God always has more more character to forge, more lives to change, more revival to bring. So today, what are you struggling with? What one thing can you do to persevere? Hoopamoni, don't you give up. So Jesus, would you fill us with your goodness, with your faithful love, Would you move in the middle of our circumstances? Make us better people. Help us persevere. Create a new assignment for us. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.